Hey everybody, um, welcome to the Asikulume podcast. My name is Lindo and I am the host of this podcast, I guess. Um, so I just want to give everyone uh, just like a quick tidbit of why I decided to create um, or start rather this podcast. Um, so like I, I mean, from as far as I can remember, I like really enjoy reading about and thinking about just like various topics and just, you know, various things that are going on in the world. Um, and I find myself really interested and fascinated by a lot of concepts, a lot of, you know, subjects, a lot of topics, um, about just like a whole lot of different stuff. Um, and I end up just, you know, getting that information about whatever topic that is and just like storing it in my mind. Um, and then <laughs> I have the very difficult task of just like finding a way to bring up the many things that I know and think about in conversations that I have with my friends. And I'm sure my friends are really annoyed with me at this point because I just like like to sneak in things um, in conversations. And so I thought, you know what, let me just um, let me just start a podcast where I can get to like talk about all the things that I'm reading about or thinking about or that I know. And uh, But I must admit that one of my biggest... I don't want to say fascination, but one of my biggest sort of sections of interest is um, identity politics. Um, I spend like a huge amount of time reading about, thinking about, and like just gathering information about the different ways in which people identify themselves, the different way in which the different ways in which people present themselves to the world, the different ways in which people think about themselves and the ways in which people want other people to see them. And so, because that is one of my biggest areas of interest, it's only fitting that I start this podcast with talking about a specific area of identity politics that I not I don't necessarily find it interesting, um, but I think it's just really important um, to have a conversation about. So I want to tackle not the issue of, but rather the topic of um, trans identity in the first episode of this podcast. Um, I myself am not a person of trans experience, um, but I just want to talk about how I came to know about, you know, uh, people of trans experience, how I started out um, sort of interrogating or thinking about or being curious about what it means for for people to be transgendered and also just you know just other things that I find not not interesting because you know I don't think transgender people find themselves very interesting but sort of things that I I myself um, got opened up about when it comes to trans identity so I think growing growing up I grew up in a township um, I've lived in, I lived in, in the township my entire life um, up until I went to varsity, which also doesn't count because I think I technically still lived in the township, even though um, I spent most of my year um, and on, on campus. But growing up in the townships, I think many people would know of you know certain people um in the township normally it was two three people max there, there weren't a lot of people but we all knew people who we couldn't quite 
box right so we couldn't quite fit them into the very strict boxes of this is a boy this is a girl this is a man this is a woman you know for instance i grew up um i know in the way i grew up there were you know men who i think uh phenotypically right physically physically presented as men so um these people grew beards they you know mo most of them were flat-chested and just their bodies um represented bodies of um people who were uh, male or people who uh, were self-identified as men but you know these people also um dyed their hair in you know colors that were mostly you know left aside for women um these people wore crop tops they wore skin tops they wore makeup they wore lipstick um they had weaves on and just like um basically presented as female right so there were like a couple of those people where i grew up and um i think as much as most of us had sort of not accepted them but most of us had sort of you know like were able to live essentially amongst them um obviously the they did face quite a lot of trauma quite a lot of violence um from people within the townships i mean the kind of names that these people that, that um these people were called which is some of them were horrendous right but i think um with the violence with the 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 sort of harshness that was mitigated against um these people um i think to a large extent many of them really just lived their lives um they had friends I, I i wouldn't be able to comment about um any romantic relationships they had because living in that living in that area in the township most men were not and are still not um willing to be forthcoming about their attraction to women of trans experience or even men of trans experience um a lot of heterosexual men still don't view it as still being heterosexual if you are attracted to a woman of trans experience um many men don't sort of look at women of trans experience as women and so the, I, i wouldn't know about the romantic relationship that those people had um when i grew up but i think just um like observing them generally you know whenever you see them whenever you hear about them you know they went out partying with friends they had friends they went to school they had jobs you know and just like lived lives that I, i don't know if they lived full lives but there was like a degree of normalcy um i mean their lives and so i, I don't want to spend a lot of time you know reflecting about what i thought about them because i didn't really think much right um the only thing that i i thought about you know people who presented differently was what everyone else had said about them so for instance um people who were perceived as you know male who presented female um you know they'd be called confused they'd be called abusive sporty you know they were they were called people who didn't know what they were and so growing up i think that's the image that i had um of people who presented differently and i mean obviously it was not like an independent um you know th thought or whatever it was also like i was 7 or 8 or like 10 i had no idea what independent thought was when i was 10 you know
Um, but the time that I really started to, I think, really critically think about what it means um, for people to be assigned certain genders but also present um, different genders was when I went to high school. So, um, when I got to high school, this was <laughs> quite a long time ago. Um, I'm not really, not, not, not a really long time ago, but yeah, it's been quite some time. Um, I was in grade 8 and there was um, another pupil who also joined in grade 8, same year that, that um, I came in. And this person, while we all had perceived to be male and we perceived them to be male because of um, just the way that their bodies were set up. But much like the people that I used to see all the time in the township growing up, this person presented uh, very feminine in the way that they, uh, I know this is very problematic to say, but in the way they spoke, in the way they dressed, in the way that they carried themselves, their mannerisms um, were very overtly feminine, probably more feminine than um, all the other girls in the school. And so obviously that came with like huge amounts of violence, right? Because also we were in a school that was, I, I, I shouldn't be saying in a school that was that was dominantly black because I don't think it matters whether your school is dominantly black or dominantly white or any other racial group. I still think uh, people of trans experience face, you know, the same amount of violence regardless of the spaces, uh, regardless of the racial demographic of the space they exist in. But yeah, I mean, that was the case, right? Um, this person faced just, you know, huge amounts of violence. And I think, I later, you know, thinking about it now, I wonder if the, the, the amount of violence that this person faced at school was any different from the amount of violence they faced just growing up at, back home or, you know, when they were in primary school things like that, but, but I don't know, because um, them and I never really got to interact, we never got to talk, it was just, you know, so, so that, this person was very popular in school, I wasn't that popular as well, and yeah, so we never really got to interact, um, but anyway, so that, that, that was the deal with this person, this person wore like red lipstick to school, and I mean, for first of all, it was a big deal if, you know, like a, a girl wore lipstick to school. Now you have this person who, you know, has been assigned ma the male gender at birth, and you know, we also perceived them. We perceive this person to be male because you know of their body structure, of the depth of their voice, and things like that. And then this person comes to school, you know, like with lipstick. This person, you know, is very hyper feminine, and and and, and all of that. So obviously they caught um, everyone's attention, right? I think really like the first week of school, um, this person was always in grade eight, but most of the school knew about them, you know. And one of the, one of the, not the not a fascinating thing, but one of the things that really really like shocked a lot of people was that this person just flat outright refused to use um, the boys' bathroom. Or the person that was designated for boys, and this person loudly and proudly and without any shame, without any guilt, like without any reservation or anything like that, used the bathroom that was designated for the girls. 
and I mean, m- m- most of the girls, um, I think all of the girls really in our school had absolutely no pro- no problem with having them um, in the girls' bathroom. Um, as a matter of fact, this person was quite popular with um, girls in our school. All the girls loved them. All the girls. I wouldn't say the girls wanted to be their friend, but like essentially the girls like really liked this person's energy because, and I think, you know, part of what comes with queerness is that you have to put up a huge amount of performance so that people are able to sort of accept you, right? Like if you listen to the stories of, I don't know, like 10 queer people, most of them will tell you that they had to have extroverted personalities when they were growing up because, you know, they had to use that as sort of like a selling point to say, you know, hey, I know you might, you know, hate the way I am, but I'm also funny. So maybe we could just like use that to to mask the fact that, you know, you really just intrinsically intri- intrinsically hate um the the person that I am. But anyway, this person who was in high school was really funny. Like he was you know, like we'll talk about top like premium comedy content, you know, that that was them. Really funny, really extroverted, really outgoing. And so yeah, like the girls really gravitated towards him, gra- gravitated towards them, gravitated towards the energy. And you know, I think as much as people didn't understand, like most of us really didn't understand like what was going on, especially with his um gender with their gender identity. We I think most people really didn't care as much. Um obviously people would, you know, say things, you know, in the corners, like, you know, we don't really understand them, like what's going on there. They need to make up their mind, are they a boy, are they a girl? Um, but I think to his face and to their face and just generally um like the mood around the school all throughout the five years that I was there, um, was just generally just to say, Hey man, this is who this person is and you know, that's just what it is. Um, but I think if you were to have a conversation with them, they probably would have a much more different experience of what being at school was like for them, you know, because also I'm speaking from the perspective of someone who was, you know, an observing outsider who didn't really know what this person's lived experience every day was. But anyway, so that was sort of my first introductions into, um, people who, this gender identity does not, you know, match the gender that they were assigned to at birth. And that really just started me off on my journey of sort of trying to learn and trying to understand the the different textures of gender identity, the different colors of gender identity, the different, you know, flavors of gender identity. Um, but it wasn't until I got to varsity, you know, to my first year at varsity, that I really got to, you know, really dig my head in and learn about um, the various spectrums that exist within the queer community, but more specifically as it relates to gender identity. You know, because I sort of got my head around different sexual identities or sexual orientations sort of pretty early. Um, By the time I left high school, I had very clear ideas of what, you know, uh, being gay was, what being lesbian was, what being um, bisexual was. Um, I don't know if I had come across the term pansexuality at that point, Um, 
but yeah, as far as um, sexual identity uh, or sexual orientation is concerned, I pretty much had a good idea of what was going on there. But it wasn't until I got to varsity that I, you know, really got to um, wrap my head around the idea that gender does not exist in binaries, right? So there isn't just someone who's male and female, but that that there are other ways in which people um, get to express the gender that they feel and i think one of the hardest things for me was wrapping my head around the fact that gender is not something that is intrinsically in us as people that you know gender is more of an expression than anything else it really is how you express yourself and that's when the learning had to come in where i had to sort of where i had to learn that sex and gender are two distinctly different concepts and that the one might speak to the other but it doesn't dictate to it right so the, the a person's sex which really is just what's happening between their legs right so when we talk about someone's sex it's literally you asking yourself what sexual organs was this person born with um and that's essentially what defines your sex right um and i think that's probably the reason why in um like official like government documentation like your id or your birth certificates and things like that um where it says male or female most of the time that's it, it's, it doesn't say gender male or female but rather it says sex male or female um because really that's what sex is it's what uh, body parts were you born with what what's going on in between your legs what genitals do what sexual organs do you have what genitals do you have and that's the sex of a person essentially um so most people grow up sort of having the idea that whatever sex you are that's the gender you are right so if you are someone who's born with a penis in between their legs um and you are assigned sort of your toilet at birth that you know your sex is male then you know you grow up and that's what society tells us that your gender identity is supposed to be right so we grew up thinking that what's happening in between your legs is supposed to inform or is supposed to dictate how you present yourself in the world right so it's supposed to dictate what clothes you wear it's supposed to dictate how you identify sexually it's supposed to dictate um how much money you make it's supposed to dictate um what social standing you have it's supposed to dictate your place in the community it dictates your place in the church it dictates your place in your family it really <laughs> the sexual organs that we are born with speak so much to our lives that it's you know like it boggles the mind how we can ascribe so much value simply to the sexual organs that people are born with and have absolutely no control over but it's but that was my initial learning where i had to learn that hey listen um a person's you know genitals does not have to speak to how the person presents themselves in the world right that someone can be born with you know a vagina but that person can you know present masculine because this is how they feel right they feel masculine inside and that's the essence of what gender identity is it's how do you as a person 
want to present to the world. Now, I think because most people, and you know, I don't even really, I don't even think I should be saying most people, um, but because a lot of people, let me rather say that, because a lot of people um, want to present the way want to present in a way that is in line with the gender that they were assigned at birth, right? So because most people who are born with penises um, are okay with being masculine, they are, you know, okay with, you know, presenting in what we understand as a masculine way, because most people who are born with vaginas want to present feminine and, you know, they're just comfortable with presenting feminine, we then come to think that everyone, who's born with a penis must present masculine or everyone who's born with a vagina must present feminine, right? Which is not the case because just because you and I feel like we want to present according to whatever genitals we have, that doesn't mean that the next person has to present according to whatever genitals they have. Each person should have the autonomous right to present how they feel and not present according to what society has told the person they need to present as. They don't have to present the way that you feel is socially acceptable and they don't have to present in a way that makes you and I comfortable, right? People have, or rather should have the right um, to present in any way that they want. And so I think those sort of like the, the smaller building blocks of trying to understand that, you know, someone is um, able to be born with certain um, genitals, but they in, intrinsically, um, like within the depths of themselves, feel different. Right? And that's, I think, where the whole concept of trans identity of trans um, identity comes in and more specifically where it relates to gender you know because i know there's like all sorts of you know nonsense going around about people who are transracial right which is i mean that's a separate um podcast on its own right we're gonna we're gonna talk about the girlies who are transracial you know, which doesn't exist or that shouldn't exist right but just specifically speaking to people who um don't identify with the gender they were assigned to at birth, right? These are people who were born with certain body parts, but inside themselves feel that they don't identify with whatever gender that society has said they should identify with based on the genitals they were born with. So that's like really just like the surface level understanding or just like the basic understanding of what trans identity is. And I mean, I think just like with any kind of identity, whether it be blackness, whether it be, you know, being brown, whether it being queer, you know, any sort of sort of identity, things are very complex, right? Identities are very complex. But I think at the basic level, really, um, trans identity is simply that. You are born with certain body parts, but you don't want to um, present according to the gender that you have been told that you are supposed to identify with based on your body parts, right? And I mean, that's like, really, I don't think that's very difficult to understand, but maybe I am thinking about it or looking up at it from, you know, like a very um, academic, a very conceptual level. Um, but I, and I don't know, and I'm also thinking about it from someone 
who is willing to understand trans identity and i think i think really honestly the major reason why most people can't wrap their heads around trans identity is because they simply just don't want to right because you know and w- w- one thing that i absolutely love about trans people who have chosen to be visible is that trans identity really disrupts the way that we as human beings understand the world and understand ourselves right trans identity forces us to ask ourselves very interesting but also very difficult conversations about who we are right because if someone else is able to very boldly and very confidently say i was born like this but this is not who i feel that i am and so i'm going to present in a way that i feel you know is natural to me then that uh, that forces me to ask myself well the way that i present is it how i actually feel naturally or is it because i've just always been told that i need to present like this right so i think a lot of us um and a lot of people really aren't willing to ask themselves those you know extremely difficult questions of is this really how i feel or am i doing this because this is what i should be doing and so we resort a lot of the times to not understanding trans people we resort a lot of the times to killing trans individuals to silencing trans people to excluding trans people to just you know doing our utmost best to to silence um people of trans experience because they have answered very difficult questions that we are not willing to answer and i think if we can get to a place where someone is able to ask themselves the question of am i presenting this way because this is how i feel naturally and if you're able to answer that question and say yes i present myself the way i do because this is how i want to present myself and i you know have no inkling and i have no inch and i have no desire to present any other way then it doesn't become very difficult for you to understand that another person might you know feel different about themselves and they might choose to express that difference and might choose to be very visible about that difference and so yeah essentially i think that's why we have such just an incredibly difficult amount of time um sort of dealing with in our minds what it means um for people to be of trans experience because it just forces us it forces us to ask ourselves um as people who are not of trans experience it forces us to ask ourselves incredibly difficult questions that i think most people don't want to ask themselves mainly because they don't have the answers or maybe because we're scared of the answers right um yeah and i think sort of that that's been just like a high level um overview of how i came to you know grasp my head around the the concept of, of trans identity and i just like i really hope that you know like whoever's listening to this will you know sort of get some sort of an understanding you know about 
what it means for people to be trans. And I mean, also, I'm definitely speaking from the perspective of um, someone who's cisgendered. So everything that I just said now are things that I've you know read about, things that I've watched, things that I've heard, uh, that I've heard people of trans experience um, talk about and how they explain um, their gender identity and how they explain how they feel. And so obviously this is not, you know, all encompassing. This is not, you know, the be all end all of what trans identity is about. It's obviously incredibly, incredibly, incredibly complex. But yeah, this is just, you know, like a sort of this is what it is um, very briefly. And yeah, um, I hope you were able to learn something. I hope, um, you know, you have just somewhat of a, you know, a bit of a clearer picture about what it means uh, for, for people to be a trans experience. And yeah, thank you so much for watching. And I hope you, thank you so much for listening. Sorry, <laughs> I said watching. Well, thank you so much for listening. And I hope um, you stay tuned and also listen to the next episode. Thank you so much.